Okay, everybody, let's go ahead and kick this off. Welcome to the three pillars of paid media webinar today with Google, with Ignite Visibility. We've got some really amazing people on the line today, and we are so excited to do a deep dive into paid media. Uh, incredibly advanced paid media strategies. We have Google here with us. We are excited. I'd like to take this opportunity to uh, mention that go ahead and use the chat feature as much as you like. If you have a question, you can go ahead and leave it there. But let's go ahead and dive into it. We've got about 50 minutes of content here today, and we've got about seven different speakers. So we're going to be going over advanced paid media strategies, and we're going to have a ton of fun doing it. This is uh, John Lincoln, by the way, CEO here at Ignite Visibility. First thing, if you don't know about Ignite Visibility, just briefly, about 150 clients, 90 full-time employees. We have won quite a few awards in the industry and we absolutely love digital marketing. We are a company entirely built on hitting digital marketing goals with cross-channel digital marketing. And you can see a couple of our awards there. Also, we have a, a great reputation with Google, with Bing, with Facebook. We are premium partners across the board and some pretty darn good reviews online. Really, the entire company is built on customer goals. How can we hit goals on a weekly, a monthly, and a quarterly basis through cross-channel conversion actions and source-based marketing. And we're gonna be talking a lot about that today, but mostly focusing on the paid media side. And uh, again, we're gonna get advanced. It's gonna be some really great stuff. So the speakers who we have today, uh, that's myself on the left. We've been running Ignite for about seven and a half years now. I absolutely love digital. I was a teacher at UC San Diego for a while. And, um, you know, this is, this is just my passion. So John Lincoln, co-founder and CEO at Ignite. We also have Aether Westman on the line. Aether, would you like to say hello? Hi there. I'm Aether, head of paid media here at Ignite Visibility. Uh, I've been running uh, paid media programs for a variety of businesses for well over a decade. Uh, and look forward to taking the insights I've gathered over that time uh, to provide here in this webinar. Awesome. Thanks, Aether. And then we also have Jordan with us. Jordan, would you like to say hi? Hey, everybody. Um, Jordan Ludwig here. Nice to meet you all. Um, I've been at Google for about two and a half years, uh, spending all of that time working with um, our agency partners, and I've actually worked with Ignite Visibility for the entirety of my time here at Google, so I'm super excited to be here with them and with all of you today. Thanks, Jordan. Jordan's a huge asset, and we work with him on a very consistent basis. And then we have Christian. Christian, would you like to say hi? Yeah, hi, everyone. My name is Christian. I'm the VP of Pay Media. Um, I've been working with the team here for just over three years now, eight years of experience in digital marketing, and really happy and really excited to get going. Thanks, Christian. And then we also have Gerald. Gerald, would you like to say hello? Yeah. Hey, everyone. Gerald Burke. Um, I'm actually a senior strategist at Ignite. Uh, over a decade of experience in paid media. Super excited to go over some advanced and innovative features today. Thanks, Gerald. And then last but not least, Ryan. Ryan, would you like to say hi? Hey, I'm Ryan. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining. Um, I have about eight years of paid media experience. I'm a digital uh, strategist here at Ignite Visibility and really excited to dive in. So we've got an amazing lineup. We've got some really advanced content. We're going to go through so many different aspects of paid media, forecasting, all of the new features uh, that Google has come out with. We are going to really kind of break down this channel. And then at the end of this webinar, we've got something really, really cool that I'm so excited to share with you. Um, it's the first time we've ever done anything like this. So please hang around until the end because I've got this really special thing that I can't wait to share with you. So here we go. Let's go ahead and dive into it. Aether, I'm going to hand it over to you and please uh, feel free to pull me in at any time. Okay, great. Yeah, we have a, a, a ton of content we're going to share today. Um, and the theme here is the three pillars of paid media. Uh, we're going to cover those three pillars. And then um, in the fourth section there, we'll be doing some uh, question and answers. So uh, there's going to be a ton of content. Uh, literally every slide could be a webinar in itself. Uh, so the idea here is really we're trying to get the uh, idea out there. 
uh, so that you can kind of spark, you know, a spark can go off and a light bulb can go off for you. Uh, and you can identify gaps in your current marketing. Uh, and it could lead to a sequence of additional content that we create as well as we'll open it up to question and answer at the end. Uh, but the three fillers we're covering is, first of all, creating a growth-oriented foundation. This is really about getting your basics right. It's about understanding and applying the fundamentals to your unique business model, getting organized and maintaining integrity with that system you build. Uh, the second pillar is about finding ways to be first to market with innovative features and capitalize before your competition uh, and utilizing these features in innovative ways to maximize your performance. Uh, and then pillar three is leveraging the data about your customer buying cycle and understanding conversion friction points to increase conversion rates with retargeting and website optimization. So the first component of our growth oriented framework is creating a media plan. Um, and this is really about, first of all, understanding who is your audience, where are they online, uh, and what are the ad types and targeting that reaches them across their research and buying cycle? Uh, where, are you, where are you gonna run your ads and how will your budget be distributed amongst all these different ad platforms and, ad, uh, and other dimensions? Uh, this can include uh, the ad type, the geography, the device, and other dimensions, but it's really about just getting organized, documenting it, and having a visualization understanding of this is how we're going to spend our budget, but then keeping in mind that this should be fluid. This is a snapshot, and as you get performance data coming back in, uh, adjustments can be made. The second element, once you understand where you're going to run your ads, is how are you going to measure performance? Um, we see so many businesses, we do so many audits across all these different businesses, and a lot of times they tell us our tracking is set up correctly. Um, and generally we see that it, that's not exactly the case. There's so much uh, better ways that a measurement framework could be set up to ensure that your, the goals that you have in, a, with a, in your business are uh, captured through digital measurement tactics, uh, that you have these KPIs set up, that they're tracked consistently uh, in terms of the actions that users are taking in each of the ad networks as well as a central source of truth uh, and this can be things like google analytics and then tracking that consistently across all your different ad networks next we have the forecast model so once you have your media plan uh, laid out you know exactly these are the different channels and the ad types that we're going to target uh, this is how we're going to measure performance then you need to uh, set goals um, how are you going to measure performance and what, uh, what are you expecting? Um, and if you haven't run a channel before, it could be a bit of a guess, guesstimate, um, but there are a number of things that you can do to um, fill in the gaps when you don't have data yet. Some of these include historical data uh, that you've run before in other channels. Uh, you could utilize the forecasting tools within the ad channels, such as a Google forecasting tool. You can leverage competitive intelligence and you also can leverage the insights provided by an agency or an industry consultant who's worked with similar types of businesses who understands what are the benchmarks for your particular industry. Uh, and again, when you set these benchmarks, these should be fluid. This should be a snapshot for a period of time. This is what we expect next quarter. This is what we expect in, in the quarter after that. Uh, but as you start to collect data, particularly if it's a new channel that you're targeting, uh, update this model and don't be afraid to shut something down or shift budget around if it's not performing as you expect. Next, we have the account structure. Um, and there's a lot of information on this slide. And uh, this is really about just kind of laying the idea that we acknowledge that this is a really critical component of uh, your media plan, your paid media performance model. Uh, and it should obviously be different based on different types of business models and, and customized for e-commerce relative to B2B, relative to the lead generation. It's customized for Facebook relative to paid search and, and other factors. But really it's all about ensuring that you have relevant targeting, you have the appropriate segmentation and you have the necessary exclusions. Um, and this in itself could be a whole webinar, but we just want to acknowledge that this is really getting the foundation right is having an expert set up the right account structure that can uh, serve the test of time and, and, and be able to pull out the necessary data and the testing framework that we're going to be looking at next.
Well, I just love this slide because it really allows you to visualize how one source of traffic gets broken down from a nitty gritty perspective and how you can find where any holes in the program are. So after you come down from the source level, you get into this account structure level and it allows you to deal with any issues that you have. Next, we have the creative. Um, and really, you have to ask the question, what is the creative you will serve to, to the users that align with your brand, attract the right audience, and aligns with your core message? Who is my audience and what is the type of messaging and design that resonates with them? Uh, what is your brand and how do you represent that creatively and consistently across your creative? And how do you ensure that you have a cohesive alignment between the messaging you have in your ad and the messaging you provide on your website? Next, we have a testing framework. Uh, and this is really once you have uh, you're running these ads and you're collecting the measurement data, how do you iterate from there? How do you improve over time? How do you take it to the next level? Um, and really this step one is coming up with ideas of tests to, to conduct. Uh, and how do you come up with these ideas? Well, this really should be uh, a very experienced strategist who has a lot of experience uh, across these type of uh, channels and can collect information, study the data, look at the competition and think uh, creatively, uh, put a list of all the ideas you have for tests together and perhaps even a panel that determines, okay, this is the highest priority one. We think this will have the most impact. This is what we wanna prioritize next month. Um, and then define exactly what your expect, expected outcome of that test is going to be, create the variations and run the experiment. There's a number of different ways you can run experiments. You can optimize, uh, optimizely, uh, you can run it right within the Google Ads account through the experiments function. Uh, once you run that test and you get uh, enough data coming back, uh, measure and get, collect insights from that. Uh, some of the tests you can run, this is just uh, some of the tests, there's many more you can do, but ads and ad copy, landing pages, the segmentation and targeting that you're running, as well as different data models. Having a testing program, absolutely critical. The future of the internet is converting traffic for less, and this allows you to do that. Just a, an amazing slide to, to you know, use as processes on a monthly basis. And then um, yeah, I... as part of that also, I just want to kind of transition here is Christian's going to um, illustrate some ways that we can put, uh, collect insights from data, uh, but that's really critical to the testing framework as well, is once you're we're running it and then before you actually determine what is the test you want to do, you have to study the data and so look for, know where to look for data insights and Christian's going to cover that now. Great, thanks Heather. Yeah, using data, I mean, it couldn't be more important for paid media. We all know in digital marketing, Data is your best friend. If you respect it, it's gonna respect you. A great way to unlock valuable insights is just knowing where the data is found and leveraging it within your existing warehouse so you can optimize your media mix. And in this case, aligning user interest met metrics against specific timing segments. Typically, online businesses have these predictable daily, monthly, quarterly online interests or sales cycles. And for this example, I'm looking at a day of week so on the chart on the left, you're going to see engagement on the vertical axis, and then you have day a week on the horizontal axis. And this is sampling over 10 weeks of data for prospecting and remarketing audiences. So there are several takeaways here. Prospecting represented by the light blue bars illustrates that Monday, Saturday are great days for new acquisition, while Thursday by the dark blue bar appears to be a great day or an optimal day to retarget. This exercise also highlights days where specific audience segments perform poorly and therefore you can adjust those strategic tactics accordingly. Moving into the right chart, we're filtering down further into just remarketing, pulling in revenue and conversion data by day of week as well. And the takeaways here is you can see that Tuesday's performance is the least efficient, illustrated by that, that red line that concaves downwards and then also low revenue figures. From a high level, I would say that this information will give me reason to investigate further and perhaps keep me from recommending or launching new products or keeping influencers from posting on Tuesday. And you can probably likely make the same case for Monday as well. On the other hand, Thursday, Saturday, uh, Thursday, sorry, Sunday, look to be much more promising days for remarketing performance. 
I would look further at these metrics and see if frequency or impression share, if there's room to scale this delivery. Of course, we don't want to just scale. There's no room within these audience networks if it's a confined remarketing list. But by doing so, and if there's, there is opportunity, you can easily uh, increase your gains for top line. This exercise is very powerful. It's very simple. And it gets you started in answering those questions like, what day should we launch new products? Where and when are we overspending? Am I leaving money on the table? But when you're doing this, the most important question, which I'll follow up with after this slide is, are we maximizing business profit? This type of thing gets me so excited. You know, when are you uh, maximizing the remarketing side of the program opposed to, you know, pushing the, the prospecting side of the program? Very advanced stuff. And I just saw a question come in regarding uh, leveraging, for example, CPA bidding. And this could be used across different tactics. And I totally uh, see that we, we run in that issue as an agency too, is when you're leveraging smart bidding tactics, if we're moving too much, we might be disrupting an algorithm. And that's a really great point, which is why it's always testing. You can create these little micro environments to where you have some campaigns to where you have scripts or rules that heavy up budgets on some days and not other days. But because this is a remarketing focus, we've found that even though you have this smart algorithm working in a controlled environment such as your remarketing, we've seen actually more impact of heavying up through budgets than we do le leveraging the CPA or smart bidding models to do everything on their own. When you're looking at prospecting with a lot more variables involved, typically we like to leave a lot of things untouched. So we would just want to do A-B testing within some of the experimental modules to allow us to make sure that we're making the right decision for the account. All right, so this is one of my favorite marketing concepts because it gives marketers and operators information that actually affects the bottom line of the business, which supports sustained growth. In an e-commerce environment, to me, ROAS, return on ad spend, which is revenue of the ads divided by the ad spend. You just multiply it by 100, it gives you this number. And it's a token KPI. I'm sure if you, if you are part of the e-commerce e environment, you know what ROAS is. I strongly, and at night, we strongly believe this is a misunderstood metric because while ROAS gives insight into top line business functions, it doesn't account for marginal inputs. And since typical businesses don't have just one product, I'm sure you guys have seen Shark Tank and the sharks are always cracking jokes when somebody comes on and they call themselves a company or a business, but only have one product. Uh, in the field of online marketing, it definitely changes the playing field and how you look at this information. So in this example, I'm using a data set to show how ROAS can be misleading. And I see this play out more often than not for growing e-commerce businesses. In the chart on the x-axis, you're going to see monthly ad spend pacing amounts where the advertiser tests different run rates to evaluate the optimal ad spend. On the y-axis, we have ROAS played by the yellow line and on the gross revenue played by the red line. You're going to notice that this advertiser increases their ad spend and as they do, ROAS hits its apex, the very top, at about $35,000. However, the kicker is, is the business's net profit peak way before that when the advertiser was just spending 20,000, meaning that even though spending 35K resulted in a higher efficiency for the business, they actually made less money compared to just spending 20,000. This is a common issue. And the way that you're going to get past this concept of diminishing returns, and it's a big conversation within our agency, especially in the e-commerce space, is you gotta test frequently and ensure you're sampling this data correctly because you don't need six, seven, eight months of data running at these different run rates to create a proper analysis. We can randomly sample run rates by week to fast track this analysis. So you only need a fraction of the time and then you'll keep your data very clean from seasonal sales cycles. And that's, and that's the goal here. It's never gonna be a perfect science. And also when you notice that you're actually, you're hitting, you don't wanna stay at the 20,000 to where you're maximizing net profit, what that's just showing you is that you have a set of campaigns or a media mix that's optimized perfectly for 20K. Now the goal is how can I pivot to create another initiative, another campaign, another strategy to allow me to now move my ad spend further while maintaining a gradual increase in our net profit.
Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that, Christian. Um, and in this next pillar, we're going to, as we talked about, how can you be first to market to capitalize on innovative features, um, get there before your competition. And we've really seen that with discovery ads. We've seen a lot of advertisers were slow to adopt them. And when we jumped in there and got our advertisers into discovery ads, we saw very low cost per click and very good performance. So uh, Jordan from Google is going to get us started off there. Yeah, hey guys. So I'm going to run us through um, a couple of innovative new ad formats um, that have launched recently, um, and then also um, a cool advertising tool for, for building video for YouTube advertising. Um, and one quick thing to note here is that, you know, one of the benefits of working with a Google Premier partner like Ignite is exactly what Aether just mentioned. So getting early access to these innovative new products um, and also getting an elevated level of support as, you know, these are sort of tested uh, and scaled for, um, for advertisers. So um, as Aether mentioned, um, Discovery Ads is a new format that launched earlier this year. Um, and this, as you can see, is a really rich kind of interactive creative format. Uh, it gives the advertiser kind of an open canvas to, to showcase a brand or showcase products um, in a swipeable image carousel. Um, so really, really interactive, great way to, um, you know, sort of speak to your brand in a way that a traditional text ad, you know, isn't necessarily able to do. One of the biggest benefits of a discovery ad or discovery campaign is the reach that you have available with this format. So these ads serve across three of Google's largest properties. Uh, YouTube, the discovery feed, and Gmail. So across those three properties, you're able to access um, 3 billion users. Um, so really, no matter who your audience is, um, you're able to reach them easily and efficiently with this ad format. Um, discovery campaigns are also pretty simple to set up. All you would need to provide is assets that perform well on social feeds, so something like Facebook or Instagram, um, identify your key audience segments, and then set up your bids and budgets, and then Google will handle the rest in terms of ads that, you know, the ads will integrate natively when you're scrolling across those properties, um, target the right user based on your audience targeting settings, um, and then tailor those to your um, goals for your bids or budgets, whether you're um, optimizing for conversions or um, a specific acquisition goal. So on this slide, we have uh, one of uh, some of the advertisers that we've actually run this for have seen pretty good stats. So just to give you some, um, you know, benchmark data to look at. We, we have seen pretty good results, very low, much lower cost per click than we see on the display network, higher engagement rate than the display network, and lower uh, cost per quote in some, uh, in issue, in some examples. Uh, also, compared with search, we see the, the clicks being, uh, in some cases, as much as 80% cheaper in high CPC industries, and a very big impact from assisted conversions uh, relative to uh, non-brand search for, for this example. Thanks, Aether. Um, so moving on to another innovative product, we have um, Google Image Extensions. Um, so this is an update to the traditional kind of text ad you might see on the search engine results page. Um, and you can see some examples here across um, a number of different verticals where this ad type can be extremely effective. So anything from, you know, flowers to, um, you know, travel and tourism to, you can see some floral dresses. So e-commerce, um, this is really, um, I think, representative of a shift that we're seeing um, overall with Google and sort of the industry in general, where um, you're getting these much sort of richer, more visual ad formats. Uh, that are having a really positive impact on engagement and click-through rate um, with the user that sees them. So you can see here the images are being served um, as a component of the ad with um, the standard sort of result that's showing up with a Google search. Um, so this is how the ad or the image will incorporate into the ad. 
So again, you have the core text ad, you know, very similar to your standard text ad from Google with the image component now introduced right alongside there. So the image is, you know, pretty natively incorporated into that text ad box. Um, but as you can see, it just makes it a much richer, much more visually um, enticing kind of um, ad format. Um, so that is the standard um, image ad. And then on the next slide, this shows uh, a dynamic image extension. So um, this is kind of one step further outside of the um, standard image extension. What a dynamic image extension is, is it actually allows Google to pull an image from your website um, based on the user signals we have about the person that is, that is viewing that ad. So we will take the most relevant image from your website based on those signals that we get at auction time and tailor that image um, to what we know about the user and is going to make it most compelling uh, and therefore therefore will drive um, a higher click-through rate for that user. So really leveraging um, you know, the machine learning capabilities of um, the Google platform to tailor that ad very specifically for that user. Um, and we've seen some, some really amazing results with this new ad format as well. Uh, and so some data to support this. So this is a case study from Hugo Boss, which I'd imagine you guys are, are probably familiar with. Um, they have had a huge amount of success with image extensions. So you can see some of these KPIs um, on the lower left-hand side of the screen. So two and a half X, um, their return on ad spend, 5% higher click-through rate versus overall mo mobile traffic, which is a massive jump. And then also, um, greater efficiency, so 4% lower CPC versus the overall mobile traffic as well. We talked about this yesterday a little bit, Jordan. We were, you know, we were wondering, is this right only for retail brands or would it be good for multi-location businesses? And we kind of came to the conclusion that maybe we don't know for sure yet and it could work for a variety of different industries and business types. Is, is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we're still collecting data as this is a newer product. I mean, we've seen this be very successful across um, a lot of different industries, but um, again, you know, it really demonstrates the, you know, importance of testing. Um, so, yeah, exactly. This is a, an exciting feature, and I think um, it's It's definitely, we definitely recommend to have this enabled on all of your campaigns, your search campaigns, so that if Google determines that um, a, a, it's likely to serve and a higher click-through rate or conversion rate will occur, then it will serve that extension. But it is a caveat to note that when they are uh, implemented on the, the campaign, you can't expect them to serve with every impression. Um, it's something, you know, likely under 5% impression share, but, uh, you know, it does serve when there is a high likelihood of a higher click-through rate and higher conversion rate this time. It's just opening up a whole nother world for paid search. I mean, matching, you know, an image to a large campaign and all the different elements of a large campaign and then looking at the, you know, corresponding click-through rate as a result of that is going to be a big thing. So actually, it, you know, just seems like a little image, everybody. It's a huge deal for a lot of businesses and uh, we're excited about it and you should be too. So moving on to the Google Video Builder. Thanks, John. So. Um, this is a super exciting tool, in my opinion, just because um, some of the changes in uh, consumer behavior that we have seen, especially um, in light of the COVID-19 pandemic, um, people are spending a lot more time on YouTube. They're visiting the site more frequently. Um, they're spending more time on there, watching more videos. Uh, I'm personally, personally, it's definitely true for me. Um, but uh, it, it, it really stresses the importance of um, advertising on YouTube just because, you know, the ability to um, reach consumers on that platform has really accelerated over the last um, six months. So the idea behind Video Builder, the Video Builder tool is to help democratize advertising on YouTube. So um, we know that developing creative assets can be one of the biggest hurdles to, um, you know, advertising on a platform like YouTube. Um, so this makes it extremely easy um, for you to build a video yourself in only a few minutes. 
using assets that you uh, probably already have um, in your possession. Um, so there are really just three simple steps to creating a YouTube ready video ad. So the first is to select a video layout from, um, from the YouTube ad library. The second is to add in your um, assets to the video layout and pick a couple components that um, you want as part of the ad uh, and then really saving the video and launching it. So super simple, three easy steps. So in terms of selecting the video layout from our library, that's going to be determined by what your marketing objective is for the ad. Uh, so whether it's highlighting your product catalog, so maybe for an e-commerce brand, um, introducing your brand or sharing a promotion, um, we have special video formats tailored exactly for that marketing objective. So figure that out and select your um, video format. And then step two is going to be adding in the, um, the assets. You want to go to the next slide? I just real, real quick. I mean, I absolutely love yeah. that, you know, it's got the layout built in. And I would imagine Google has taken the time and YouTube has taken the time to format this in a way so that it's high performing um, and they are frameworks that can give people decent results. So, so for everybody listening, that's, that's exciting, right? It's, you know, that whole scripting um, element of it is, is, is pretty trying for a lot of people. So, um, so Jordan, I think that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Um, so step two is you're, you're going to manually upload um, colors, logos, all of your brand elements, uh, any images you want included in the ad, and then um, a little bit of copy. Uh, and then from our library, you will select um, font and music. Um, again, super simple. The UI is designed to be very e user-friendly as well. Um, so if you have these assets ready and have your copy ready, um, getting all this input into the Video Builder tool can take as little as you know five or 10 minutes. Um, and then the final step is, like I said, just saving and launching the ad on YouTube. So those three easy steps uh, and you're able to uh, start advertising on YouTube. Exciting stuff. And, you know, one other thing I would note is that, you know, YouTube allows you to advertise a series of different videos in a sequence. So you could do five or 10 different videos where you're hitting the same user and, and nurturing them further and further down. That's a pretty important part of advertising on that platform um, and something that we've seen a lot of success with for clients. Uh, so uh, here we go. So now we have Google ad customizers. Yeah, hey everyone, Gerald here. So I'm super excited to talk about ad customizers. Um, if you're in the business of paid media, we kind of geek out with this stuff. Um, so I'm gonna go through this with you guys. So ad customizers, it's a very innovative feature that allows you to adapt your ads to the real-time context of your potential customers. So what that means is what they're searching for, where they're browsing, what device they're using, and the exact time and day uh, when they're looking at your ad. So this powerful tool, it, it can directly and indirectly actually improve account performance. So you're increasing the relevancy of your ad and then encouraging a sense of urgency to take action. Um, and then although ad customizers have actually been around since 2014, they made some updates over the years. Um, they added the if statements in 2017, but regardless, we, we uh, as an agency, we commonly see this as an underutilized feature, um, which can really help give your ads an edge up on the competition. So as far as setup, it's a really quick three-step process. Uh, step one is defining your attributes. So this is all about confirming which exact customizer is best utilized for what targeting strategy within your business. So the available attributes include dynamically updating any text in your ads, uh, numbers such as pricing or a timestamp like the month or a dynamic countdown timer. And then add as a uh, pro tip, you can download Google's ad customizer data template. It's completely free uh, to kind of help you guide this process. Uh, step two is defining your targeting. Oh, you can stand there. Step two, defining your targeting. So you want to customize the columns in your data template and actually map what attributes trigger different pieces of business data 
then out of what campaign or ad group they serve from. So keep in mind, uploading business data is only required when you using certain ad customizers. The rest of them, like countdowns, can um, easily be set up right in the publisher interface. And then step three, upload your template in the business data section of Google Ads and set up your ads, and then you're all set. And then last pro tip here is try to utilize the Google Ads editor uh, to notify yourself of any syntax errors. Uh, we just find it's a little easier to troubleshoot any errors in the offline editor. Next. So here's an actual example of how the ad customizer setup looks like. So on the left, you'll notice we have four different customizers. DKI, dynamic keyword insertion, kind of tried and true, traditional, it's been around forever, dynamically inserts the user search query within the, within the ad. You have these if statements. So if a user is coming from mobile, you can have a specific message like simple mobile checkout and different things of that nature show up. Um, and then we have the countdown timers. Um, this is really great for uh, creating a sense of urgency during promotional periods or shipping uh, cutoff dates. And then lastly, parameters. So this is that, that's a situation where you're uploading, let's say all of the cities and states within the United States in the business section, and then dynamically inserting the location of the searchers uh, location within the ad to, uh, to make it most relevant for the user. Um, so as far as which feed, uh, so the feed is only required when you're using search location or product types, the rest of them, there is no technical feed setup. No. I just got to say, absolutely love this granularity. I mean, everybody listening, think about it, how getting down to this nitty gritty level is going to reduce your cost per click, your cost per acquisition and allow you to scale for less, right? I mean, this is innovative, cool regex type of stuff. Um, so, so, you know, really important to think about how you would apply it for your own business. Absolutely. Um, and then here, is a, an example of utilizing those locations within your ad copy. So um, on the right-hand side, you'll see the before and after. So by utilizing that uh, squiggly bracket equals location feed dot location, that's going to signify within your ad copy to tell Google, you know, where that user is sh uh, dynamically feature the location within the ad. So here's an actual case study from a client of ours where we introduced geo ad customizers and staged an isolated AB test. And what we discovered is that utilizing the city level ad copy insertion, it actually outperforms state level. So the actual results of this, well, by use, utilizing geo ad customizers for this client yielded a 10% increase in click through rate and a 28% increase in conversion rate. So super powerful before and after split test here. Um, this, and then just keep in mind with the geo ad customizers, it doesn't work for every business, but there is an ad customizer that is applicable for every business. You just kind of have to find the right one for your business situation. Thanks. That's good, Joe. And Joe, okay, I wanted great. to just add a point to that too, to where it doesn't work for every business, but you don't have to have storefront locations or have to rely on localized listings to leverage this type of local dynamic text insertion. We found that companies like Universal Funding who don't actually have a physical location the localized tactic in this particular case elevated the performance across the campaign. So it's not a one size fits all type of thing, but it's important to be open-minded about these tactics because just because it may not seem the best fit from step one, testing is really the only way to know for sure. And if it can make sense, it's important to at least try to make it make sense because in this case, it made a lot of sense for the performance. Thanks, Christian. Um, and then my last slide here is utilizing those countdown timers. So this is my absolute favorite feature is, um, sorry, John, go back. Yeah, so what you'll see here, Amazon, three hours left for 20% off. What we do is plug in when we actually want the sale to end, and this will dynamically count down the days, hours, and then minutes. So with, when it's in the last hour, let's say the sale ends at midnight, it'll literally go down 59 minutes to get this promotion, 30 minutes left. It's, it's really cool, it's innovative and also very underutilized for e-commerce companies. So try this feature when trying to promote a sale ending and or shipping cutoff dates. Is this available now is a question? Yeah, yeah, all of this is available. None of this is beta. This is all available to set up. Um, and yeah, if you have questions on the setup, we're happy to help answer some questions.
Yeah, this stuff makes a huge difference, everybody. You know, being a CRO expert, digital marketer, just like these guys, you know, for a long time, location-based, you know, countdown time. I mean, th this type of thing, you know, can really, really move the needle from an, an urgency uh, and a hyper-relevancy perspective. Really great stuff. Yeah, I agree. And I saw a question come in regarding can you leverage this type of sequence all the way through to the landing page? The answer is yes. It's also not applicable just for search. There are other platforms that we've leveraged to where we can communicate well down to the ad level to the landing page experience. In this case, keeping the case study the same, these dynamic features aren't new. The landing page features are not new, but it's under leveraged and really utilize them whenever we can and we have to, and we can execute them relative to our team's uh, performance goals. But at the end of the day, the performance you can expect from personalizing this type of tactic far outweighs what it takes to execute. And whether you're lead gen or e-commerce, we found these, this work in several instances that leverage localized marketing copy to increase ad activity from the ads, keywords, to the landing page. Uh, and by taking it a step further, when we sequenced the keywords to the ad copy to the landing page in this particular example, the lift we saw was we split this traffic into randomized sampling data to where when users initiated this sequence from the target geo sequence, such as the keyword to the ad copy to the landing page versus the user who did not, who just got an evergreen ad and an evergreen landing page, the user with the targeted sequence saw a lift in conversion rates by 28%. And this isn't, and this isn't an anomaly. This is not something that's like mind-blowing performance. It's just the incremental gains that we can get for the campaigns just by taking the extra step and personalizing this, this particular experience. Cool. Um, all right. So I'm going to dive into some more e-commerce centric um, type of stuff here, primarily with shopping campaigns and products and all the rest of it. Um, so I hope this is helpful, but uh, essentially, First thing I want to start with are smart shopping campaigns. Um, now, I know these aren't a novel concept to anyone, but we just want to really reiterate the fact that these are very powerful, especially with accounts that have um, a lot of history uh, and a lot of, um, you know, account uh, performance built up over the months or years. Um, but obviously, there are some limitations, no search terms. You don't get access to that. You can't really bid up or down on demographics, um, no remarketing lists. You don't even have visibility into what audiences uh, perform in conjunction with the shopping campaigns. Um, and you definitely can't adjust mobile bidding versus computer bidding, um, which are definitely pain points. Um, so there is a need, obviously, to run some standard shopping campaigns in certain situations. And we believe that these two campaign types can run in tandem effectively. Um, so we'll get into that on just the next slide here. So before I break down how they work together and when you should use standard shopping campaigns um, over smart shopping campaigns, some quick notes and some general rules of thumb uh, for smart shopping campaigns. So you never want to use two products or a single product simultaneously in both smart shopping and standard shopping. Um, you don't really want to use the same product in multiple campaigns in general, regardless of uh, campaign type, but this is especially true for smart and standard shopping. Um, there's a very real chance that your product will just not show at all. Um, so be mindful of that. Um, also only use smart shopping campaigns when there's sufficient account history. Um, if you actually go into a brand spanking new account and try to launch a shopping campaign, the smart shopping option won't be available to you because Google is not familiarized with your account performance history or anything like that. So you are actually, um, only allowed to run standard shopping campaigns with brand new uh, products. Um, so, and then the other thing here is if you have a really stubborn product or specific products uh, that you haven't been able to get to perform well or accrue a positive return on ad spend, um, that might be a good test to throw into a smart shopping campaign and see how it does. Um, smart shopping campaigns are typically um, a little bit more efficient from a cost pers perspective. The CPCs are usually a little bit better. Um, they also serve to uh, a wide variety of ad networks, not just the search. Um, and there's a ton of machine learning that goes in on the back end. 
Um, another thing here for smart shopping campaigns that are it's really paramount to take into consideration is that with all of the demographics and, and the things that you can't necessarily adjust, um, you are allotted a lot of exclusionary um, tactics. So you can exclude geos and things like that from ad serving altogether, um, even though you can't necessarily bid up or down on an adjustment level. So um, use those exclusions. You know, if you see that there are areas that are just not performing for you, um, don't waste your ad dollars. Be proactive about it. Make sure they're excluded going forward. Um, one more back. There we go. So I mentioned that there are needs for standard shopping campaigns, and you definitely want to make sure that you are using them for certain products. Um, the reason being is that you want to make sure that maybe some of your products that are super important to your business are getting maximum exposure at the top of the search engine results page. Um, smart shopping campaign will be very return focused and won't necessarily uh, take into consideration impression share as the chief KPI. So um, with standard shopping campaigns, you can take those products that are super important to get visibility at, make sure that they're getting top of the SERP every single search. Um, so that's one very crucial reason to use um, standard shopping campaigns. The other is that when you're first launching a product or you need to get some visibility into the product, um, it's nice to use standard shopping campaigns so you get that rich, juicy search term data, right? So you can see what search terms your products are popping up for. And if the search terms aren't related or maybe you want them to be, you know, showing up for something that isn't really registering in the search terms report that you wish was, you can go back into your titles and headlines in the product feed and adjust those so Google makes the um, changes and reads the feed a little differently so you can start getting those search terms to accrue within the report and hopefully that yields to clicks and sales. So a couple different notes on that. Um, we run standard shopping campaigns in tandem with uh, smart shopping campaigns pretty regularly. Um, and especially with bigger clients or, or bigger accounts with a ton of inventory, um, it really yields itself to allowing for that type of procedure. Go, I'm going to go over margin integration now. Um, and this is something that I think Christian touched on earlier, but we really want to reiterate the importance of it. And revenue and ROAS numbers, you know, getting those high, it's really sexy, it's really awesome. But when we're talking about driving business growth, we really want to isolate profit. Um, so the way we set up campaigns in some circumstances when we do have access to the data is we try to get high profit campaigns, learning profit campaigns, and low profit campaigns, sort of dichotomized by that. The reason is we want to make sure that the products that are getting the highest profit return are getting more exposure than some that aren't. And if we go to the next slide, we can see that in these fictitious items here, um, all of these are getting a 10 return on ad spend. So, you know, 10 to one return. Um, but if we look at the profit column, um, or the gross margin percentage column, um, different gross margins are applied to each profit. So we can very easily now understand that some of these are benefiting the business way more than some of the other products. So having this itemized level uh, look and point of view on how your items are, at, are performing specifically um, is going to be really helpful in, again, maximizing that profit return. Um, next slide. And so how do we do this? We essentially will take a look at product ID. Um, so we'll, we'll download essentially the a product level ID from Google ads. Um, we work with a handful of clients very closely to get their gross profit margins per, uh, per product, which is super nice to have. We can then essentially just run a V lookup against those gross profit margins and item level ID, kind of mix and match, articulate a profit, and then we can move products around within the account based on the results. So it's a really fluid um, relationship that we typically have when we do this. Um, and it works out really well. I mean, again, profit is sort of the thing that we want to grow, not necessarily the return on ad spend or the revenue. Obviously those, those metrics are important, but when you take a look at the gross profit margins by item, you'll actually notice if you do the math correctly and, you have your profit minus ad spend metric, you'll see that some of these 
items are actually losing you money over the, over the long run. Um, so that's obviously something you want to avoid and you want to, again, maximize the products that are, that are driving most business, business growth. Um, so yeah, hopefully that's helpful. Just fantastic stuff. I, I have to tell you, I mean, looking at the profit margin, you know, by product, building it into the entire business model, you know, all in a visualization area is uh, a dream come true for the digital world. And that's really what it's all about here today, everybody. This level of granularity, you know, it can be incredibly clear if you set up the correct tracking and really put in the time. And that's really what we're focused on here at Ignite right now is, is cracking the code on those areas. And we feel like we have. So we've only got a, a couple of slides left, and then I'm going to get into this uh, this very exciting thing. This is no joke, a very, very exciting thing we're going to be doing over the course of four or five days. I cannot wait to share it with you. Um, but and, and for now, we're going to jump back into pillar three, and Aether, I'll hand it over to you. Thanks, John. Yeah, so we're going to move fairly quickly here through the maximized journey pillar, uh, and Christian's going to start us off by taking a look at uh, a, a several different scenarios of how to analyze the time to conversion for uh, an advertiser and how to use that data to maximize your results. Yeah, great, thanks, Heather. So like we mentioned, this entire conversation, understanding your customer's buying habits, leveraging tactics to be better at communicating to the user to support in their buying journey or their conversion journey. And getting to know your customer's habits is a must for retargeting. It's absolutely piggybacks off what I talked about earlier when dimensionalizing your data by day of week or monthly or quarterly, seasonally. Here, we have three examples of clients with three unique conversion patterns. One takes 11 days to convert a user, the other six and last one day. And the takeaways here for merchants with long sales funnels require a much more sophisticated remarketing strategy. The goal, of course, here would be to shorten the sales cycle as much as possible, removing any friction points, such as poor landing pages, irrelevant ads, to reduce that acquisition cost. For businesses with a shorter sales cycle, such as the ones with, uh, on the far right with 0.5 days to average conversion, it's clear that we wouldn't want to recommend spending much money on retargeting after day one. Um, in a lot of cases, we find clients coming in with still really aggressive remarketing uh, tactics, and they aren't actually optimized towards their consumer cycle and therefore burning a lot of money. Uh, as you can see, understanding this information is a key element in creating that end-to-end -end remarketing strategy. So on the next slide, I'm going to review how to uncover these hotspots in your site uh, by scoring. So when I mentioned for businesses with long sales cycles, you should work on shortening it to improve these efficiencies. And I'm sure like I would, most of you are like, duh, but how do we do it? A great place to start would be scoring website behavior. And from a high level, we simply identify key entry points and pages on site that correlate to a high conversion probability. In this particular example, we have three different journeys that a user are likely to take along the site that we've funneled in through our analytics platform. And by applying scores to each based on the likelihood to convert, we can instantly prioritize targeted audiences and behaviors, testing these remarketing on, on our remarketing tactics and excluding low scores, creating these into audiences and pushing them to our ad platforms. This is a crucial part into one, reducing ad spend, and two, it's gonna support and streamlining your sales cycle and ideally taking a couple of days off that average. This step can take, this step can be taken further than by observing what a user does after a purchase and supporting identifying opportunities for upsells and cross-sells. So on the next slide, uh, we're gonna look at different ways, a different way to look at this. So here's a different perspective from a behavioral flow chart that can be found directly in your Google Analytics account that can support your team in pinpointing optimal pages and or paths uh, and along what we're seeing here, friction points and drop-offs, that green rectangle to the right is surrounding a great user flow that is all being funneled from a core block of incoming traffic from these various pages, while the group in the two red triangle uh, rectangles, uh, that has a common pattern of drop-offs. So we want to make sure that we're leveraging and consuming this information in order for us to make sure that the website, one, is being optimized properly, removing pages that are causing frictions or increased drop-offs. Along with that, 
making sure that we're using the right entry points for all of our marketing tactics, email, social, paid social, search. The good news is, is uh, Google's actually coming out with a new tool that's going to support and automating these parts. So for this particular slide, I'm going to have Aether to cover this. Yeah, thank you, Christian. Yeah, so this is actually the last slide of our content that John's going to um, reveal what he was talking about earlier. So we just want to let everybody know that there is a new tool out there. It's pretty amazing. There is some criteria. You have to have at least 1,000 e-commerce transactions per month. But if you meet that criteria, you can do some pretty amazing things with your retargeting. You can actually score based on behavioral patterns of particular users, how likely they are to convert, and then leverage that data on, on retargeting. So pretty valuable tool that was just released. Fantastic stuff, you guys. Really, really great. So everybody, I uh, hope you enjoyed this. Let's get into a couple final things and then we'll wrap here with some Q&A. But this is a, a probability tool that uh, looks at the likelihood of a channel converting and how much it would convert by the channel that you can break down inside of Google Analytics. This stuff just gets me so pumped up. You know, I taught analytics and paid media and a little bit of SEO um, at UCSD for a while and I got really into analytics and, and I just absolutely love this idea that now in GA, you're gonna be able to figure out the probability by certain area that you're advertising and, and just do incredibly reliable forecasts. You know, this is gonna allow us in addition to what we're already doing, which is, is really, really very succinct, it's going to allow us to, to forecast very, very well and just bring that clarity and that certainty to digital, almost looking at digital like pre-cash flow for your business. So a couple next steps, everybody. I want everybody to think about their digital marketing strategy framework going forward. Really, really important, right? Making sure you don't have too much allocation to a channel, making sure that you understand the contribution margin from every single place that you're advertising from an ROAS perspective, right? Making sure that you understand your CPAs and your scaling from where you are to where you wanna be. That is how you can bring certainty to your digital marketing. I actually wrote a book on this. It's called The Forecaster Method. Uh, it's on Amazon. You can go ahead and check it out. People have liked it and I'd be happy to, uh, to send you a copy. In addition to that, you know, we have uh, created a, a, a tool that allows us to do this. So proprietary piece of software that allows us to do this for clients, which we're really excited about and will be in all of our QBRs. So here's the big thing that I was talking about, everybody. I would love for you to join me for the build the perfect marketing plan challenge on October 12th. This is going to be four days, eight speakers. Go to go.ignitevisibility.com forward slash challenge right now. I would love for you to take a look at that. And I would love to see you there for four days where we take the time to build the perfect marketing plan together, not just me, but seven other people. And we work together over an hour, you know, for four days and we go through this process together and you get to get access to our top people for email, for social media, for paid media, for SEO, for digital PR, for conversion rate optimization. And we go through this process of building the most advanced digital marketing plan for 2021. I am so excited about it. Please go to go.ignitevisibility.com forward slash challenge. I, I really want to you know, work on this with you. And it's really kind of my mission and our mission here uh, to help people through digital marketing and use those profits to reinvest in client success, employee success in the community. So that's one thing that I'm really excited about. It's coming up. It's going to give you that certainty that you've got the perfect plan going into next year. Also, of course, if you're ever interested in becoming a client, you can go to ignitevisibility.com, go.ignitevisibility.com forward slash grow. We're only going to be taking 10 new paid media clients this year. Uh, that's a decision that we've made to make sure we've got quality control. So you can go ahead and check out that page. So that's it, everybody, for our webinar today. We worked pretty hard on it. I hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, obviously, some pretty advanced stuff. We'll be posting this to the YouTube channel. We will be sending it out uh, via email on the email list. And by the way, on the email list, we blast out the weekly digital marketing news every single week. A lot of people enjoy it, and uh, we take the time to do that uh, for, for clients then also on the list. So um, thank you, everybody, for saying thank you in the chat. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, as far as questions, I have a few that have come in 
The first one is it seems like people are still really interested about that image uh, feature for Google and they want to know a little bit more about who it would be best for. Jordan, do you think that there's going to be any more data coming out on that in the future for specific industries? Yeah, absolutely. So again, this is a recently launched product. So um, unfortunately, we don't have um, a ton of information right now in terms of what industries we, you know, are seeing the most success with this. Um, so we're really just encouraging um, advertisers across all industries to test this um, and, you know, share the results with your Google team. I mean, we are always super interested in, um, you know, data to support any decisions we make in terms of what industries or clients we recommend this product for. Um, like I said, we've seen um, success with this across a number of different industries, but, um, you know, we're still in the, in, in the phase of the product launch where, um, you know, we're looking for all kinds of clients across all industries to, to test this and, and collect data on how effective it is across um, those different clients. Awesome. Thank you, Jordan. Next question. This is actually a really interesting one to me as well. So, so Christian, you talked a little bit about micro touch points within the journey, you know, in, in particular things like uh, scrolling down the page or time on page. Talk to us a little bit more about how you're looking at micro touch points and how you actually implement that into the strategy. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a pretty uh, fun topic and it could be for multiple different reasons. It could be because you don't have enough conversions coming in through your website to really use the smart bidding or algorithms of Google or Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. So we would create specific actions on the site to optimize against and whether it be page time on site or scroll depth, those are all ways that we can create audiences around because that could be the most valuable action that we get at scale to optimize against. It's also just about patterns. And if we get a lot of touches on a website, there are specific patterns that we can cluster and create cohorts for that we can leverage for lookalike modeling for people who seem to be engaged. And can you find other people who elicit these same type of actions on other sites like yours? Um, but then also the more data, the better. It's not great just to optimize purely off of conversion data because really what comes down to is you have several steps prior to that conversion that you need to make sure that you're removing those friction points too. And these micro conversions are a great way to pinpoint to identify what's keeping people from making it to that next step. And sometimes it doesn't have to be, like I said, that conversion or sale it could be to add the cart to add, uh, it could be a product view. It could be opening up a light box or reviewing a video. Those are all little things that we like to capture information about so we can inform decisions for future tactics. Awesome. Uh, next question is about these dynamic landing pages. Uh, the question is, are you using a tool for that? How are you creating the landing page? How are you inserting the uh, copy if it to, to match the keywords? Uh, Gerald or Christian, when do you want to take that? Yeah, I can take that one as well. Um, within the agency, we work with tons of tools. Uh, the primary tool that we use for the landing page is Unbounce. And Unbounce does allow us to dynamically insert more than just copy or we can we can insert specific elements like videos or images along with body copy headlines and we leverage specific parameters from our ads to ensure that we're matching the right dynamic headline or copy or image from this particular ad and that's why it's so important to have a well-structured campaign you can't just create this uh, evergreen campaign and automatically assume that this campaign will allow you to enable dynamic features on your landing page. There is not always a seamless integration between a user and a landing page. And one of the things sometimes you have to do is organize campaign groups to allow you to group specific characteristics or copy or messaging or images so that you can translate that back into a personalized experience on the website. Uh, depending on what we're looking for, it could be very simple or it could be more uh, of a heavy lift with some development. But at the end of the day, we've done the full spectrum and we've seen really promising results.
Awesome. I do have quite a few more questions, but I think we're going to keep it a, a little bit short. Um, I, I, my last one is, I, 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 well, first, Jordan, I would really like to thank you for being here. And the last question I have is for you, for, for Google and for, for the Google team. You know, out of all this stuff, like, what are you most excited about for advertising on Google? You know, you talk about these products a lot. Um, you know, wh what do you want to have in people's minds um, as, you know, these are some of your clients? And, and what are you most excited about going into Q4 in 2021? Yeah, great question. So um, I, I think what I'm most excited for is um, kind of the stuff that, that we touched on today. So um, you know, looking at the new ad formats that are coming out and really cater to the changes that we're seeing in consumer behavior. So something like discovery ad that integrates organically into um, a YouTube feed or a Gmail feed where people are spending a lot more time. Um, and that's coupled with these really interactive, um, more rich ad formats that make it easier for advertisers to showcase their products or highlight their brand. Um, and then a lot of what the Ignite team talked about today is, you know, with any strategy or any new ad product, um, the ability to test these for advertisers, um, see how they perform, adjust strategy, really use data and performance to strategy. Um, the innovative um, uh, products we're launching and strategies really Do we lose a little bit of audio there, everybody? Yeah, it looks like Jordan was fading out there, but That's I concur okay. with what he was saying. I think just the personalized, the personalization that we're coming up to, um, I don't think it's creepy. I think we need to be careful with how we're using it at a certain sense. We've got to be tasteful about it, but being able to bring the product to life within these ad placements and then curate specific copy messaging all the way throughout the funnel is really the gold standard of marketing. And I think to me, that's the most exciting part and it's fun and it's really engaging. I think it provides a lot of value from both parties. Fantastic. Everybody, I want to thank you so much for taking the time and spending time with us today. If you like the webinar, send out a tweet, you know, give us a little love. We would appreciate it. And we'll, we'll definitely be sure to do the same for you uh, when we attend your webinars in the future. If you're a client, thank you so much for being a valued client. We really, really appreciate you. And uh, I can't wait to see everybody at the challenge. We're going to put a ton of work into this. It's going to be really, really fun. I can't wait to connect with more people. Have a great day. We're going to go ahead and end there. And uh, just a final Final thank you to the team over here at Ignite, in particular, Aether, who worked really, really hard on putting all this together, our head of paid media. Fantastic job. Thanks, guys.